The title of this morning's message is called Grace Effects. Subtitle, Listening Practice Part 4. <laughs> Who knew it was a series? <laughs> this is sort of a casserole message. To me, that's like a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of that, and you put it all together and it comes out yummy. <laughs> that's what this message is like this morning. This morning I want to talk to you, or continue to talk to you, about hearing God for ourselves. Because the most important thing that we do on any given day, at any given time, is to hear the voice of our Father. There is nothing more important than recognizing that He speaks to me, that He is real, that He loves my presence. He loves my presence and He loves to talk to us. The foundation of any good relationship is communication and understanding. Our relationship with God is not about learning the rules. I used to think it was. If you just keep those rules good enough and long enough, God will be happy. That is not the gospel. The gospel is He loves you just as you are, right where you are, and He came to make us right. We don't have to make ourselves right. So, relationship is not about rules and trying to keep them. It's about experiencing God. It's about knowing Him. It's about having an ongoing communication all of the time, even if no one is using words. When I say when nobody is using words, we assume that all communication is by words. When we sing a song like, I love your presence, there is communication happening. And that's the communication I'm talking about this morning. When I think of this kind of communication, I think about me watching a movie with my husband. I do the watching while he does the sleeping. (laughs) But since we're doing something together, there is communication. Communication happens because we're in each other's close proximity. We are physically close to one another. So closeness in physical proximity expresses the closeness that's in our hearts. Spending time together expresses mutual acceptance and affection. So communication doesn't have to have words. Sometimes it happens simply by being in someone's presence. Often what people do is when their loved one goes into the hospital and uh, they're having a procedure, they're not doing anything there but hanging out. They're with them. They're sharing their presence. They're communicating love simply by being there. And God does that. He communicates His love to us by simply being there. The communication of His presence expresses His complete acceptance of us and His amazing affection. One of the things that we do on Sunday nights is when we get home, we put on our jammies. (laughs) Flannel jammies and a sweatshirt. I get my big fuzzy socks on. You know, I get comfy. Now, if somebody comes to my door, I don't want to let them in because I'm in my comfies. (laughs) You know, we don't let just anybody see you in your comfies. (laughs) We let other people who are close to us see us in our comfies. Okay. That's the kind of relationship God has with us. He says, I want you to be in your comfies when you talk to me. I don't want you to be striving and be worried about how the house looks or or how you look or, or what you did yesterday. He says, I want you to relax. Put on your comfies. Let's have close proximity. Let's have close communication. God very often makes himself known through his presence while we worship, and we experience that today. When we give God our full attention, we can both spiritually and physically sense Him. Even if He's not speaking through words, there is a peace and a comfort in the communication of His presence. 
the communication of His Holy Spirit to our spirit. And that communication is always, always, always His love for us and His acceptance of us even in our comfies. <laughs> but what happens if we misunderstand what God is like? What happens when we misunderstand what He wants from us? Or we misunderstand what His intentions are towards us? What happens to our communication then? Recently I had a conversation with a believer who told me that they almost never hear God. Now, I know that's not actually true, because I know he's a true believer. <laughs> because God speaks to us and reveals himself to all of us. He's always communicating, even if we're not aware of it. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, in the natural, sheep are not born knowing the voice of the shepherd. They learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd. And it's by spending time with the shepherd that sheep learn not only his voice, but his nature. They learn to trust the voice and the nature of the shepherd. They learn that the shepherd is safe. He's not going to eat them or beat them. <laughs> they learn by experience that the shepherd only wants good for them. That's our shepherd. And so it is with us. As we spend time with God in his word, in worship, or simply having that daily ongoing conversation, we learn to recognize and trust his voice and his nature. Unfortunately, too many believers don't know the real God. They don't see God as a good, good father who loves them beyond measure. They don't see God, the son, as a good, good shepherd who, because of his love for them, has given up his life to rescue them from all the power of the enemy. All the oppressors don't have a choice. They will be stopped in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and they don't recognize that God, the Holy Spirit, is our good, good friend who lives inside of us and empowers us and who connects us to the life, the very life of a good, good God. Because of wrong teaching and wrong understanding, and of course, the help of the enemy. <laughs> Many believers see God as righteous, but mean and strict. They don't see him as a kind, gentle father. They're afraid to hear God for themselves. This believer I was talking to, when I said, yes, you do hear God, he goes, I don't want to hear God. What? What do you mean you don't want to hear God? He was afraid of what God might tell him to do or give up because he doesn't know the nature of his father. So he thinks the father is stingy, mean, strict, demanding obedience. And that's not our father at all. And also, so many believers are still afraid that God's going to punish us for our sins. All the sins have already been punished on the back of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been dealt with at the cross. God is not punishing anybody today. Now, the law of sowing and reaping still works. <laughs> You so stupid, you're going to reap stupid. <laughs> it's just the way it is. But even in our stupid, there's a good, good father who can help us turn that thing around. So this particular believer doesn't really understand the character and nature of his father. So he's afraid to even hear him. There's no reason for a believer to be afraid of God or afraid of hearing his voice. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, this is what Adam said to God in verse 10. I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, Adam wasn't afraid of God prior to the fall. 
So it is sin that brought the guilt and the fear and the exposure to the fact that something was very wrong. We don't know exactly what they were afraid of. It doesn't tell us specifically. But more than likely, they were expecting God to be mad or unhappy with them. After all, they were part of that conversation about he might be keeping good things away from them. And they were disobedient. So you're trash-talking God and you're not doing what he's saying. Mm, We might think he might be mad. (laughs) No. But because they didn't understand the nature of God, they did not run to him. They didn't ask God to fix their mistake or at least tell them how to make clothes. (laughs) They hid from God not knowing or understanding how much God loved them and would help them. God had told them what would happen if they ate of the tree, but they obviously didn't believe him. Now what were they supposed to do? They were naked and naughty with no way to fix it. You ever been a little kid? You've been naughty, you broke something, dad's coming home. (laughs) That's what they were like. Oh no, can we fix this before dad comes? No. Just fess up. (laughs) Interestingly enough, though, none of what they did stopped Dad. Daddy God wasn't mad at them, and it didn't stop Daddy God from helping them. Daddy God wasn't punishing them. God simply had to explain the results, the consequences that came from what they had done. And then Daddy God, because of his love for them, made clothing for them from animal skins to cover their nakedness. You know why? So they would feel comfortable in his presence. Even though they had been disobedient, they had been naughty, he wanted them to feel comfortable in his presence. I love that thought. You see, a sinful man feels naked and exposed in the presence of God. But a righteous man can feel comfortable and comforted. He covered their nakedness so that they didn't feel uncomfortable in his presence. We could kind of say, he gave them comfies to wear. <laughs> right here, we have a little sneak preview, if you will, of the robe of righteousness. A robe that God alone, by the work of his hands, has provided for us. The robe that lets us stand boldly before the throne of grace, completely loved, completely accepted, and completely comfortable and unafraid in his presence. I hear so many preachers going, you need to get your nose on that carpet. You need to show respect. And God says, no, I want you to be comfy. I want you to relax with me. I want you to let me take care of you. Let me clothe you with something that makes you feel comfortable in my presence. That's our righteousness. Now, there are way too many believers who misunderstand what God did when he made Adam and Eve leave the garden. So often believers think that God was punishing them for their sin. But in reality, it was for their own good. God did have to drive them out of the garden because they didn't want to (laughs) leave. But it wasn't because he was mad. It was because he loved them. It was to protect them from themselves. God didn't want them to eat of the tree of life and then have to live in eternity in a kingdom of darkness. And as naughty as they had been, they would probably eat of that tree, (laughs) even if he told them not to. So to protect them, to protect them, he separated them from the tree of life. He didn't want them to live never living in or accessing his blessing, his presence. So God did absolutely push them out, but he went with them. He didn't throw them out of the garden and stay in the garden. He said, no, you're in danger here. I have to get you out of here and put you where you're going to be safe. Oh, and I'll go with you. That's our father. That's our father. And when God went with them, he continued to have conversation and communication with them. He continued to be in close proximity. 
and he did the watching while they did the sleeping. He continued to love them and help them and protect them because that is his nature. His nature is to love us unconditionally. His nature is to help us when we don't deserve it, to accept us when we can't accept ourselves. His nature is to keep talking to us even when we are really, really stupid. <laughs> and yes, sometimes he does have to point out things that are in our life that are hurting us, but not because he's mad about them, because he wants to help us by protecting us from ourselves and our own stupidity. My point here is that if a believer doesn't understand the true nature of God and that his nature is love, and unconditional love and acceptance, then they fear, they fear his presence, they fear his voice, and they shy away and don't seek God and to hear him for themselves. I was very surprised that this friend that I had had this conversation with, he's been a Christian forever, like, you know, 40 years. I'm like, how can you live for 40 years without knowing you hear the voice of God? You see, that's religion. He knew he was born again, but he didn't understand that God wanted a relationship, not a servant. That he wanted a son. He wanted somebody who could walk around in his comfy clothes with God. That's what God wanted, and this person didn't understand. And I was so shocked that they thought God would be mean to them for no good reason. (laughs) Christians who hide themselves because they fear God are like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes. And what they need is exactly what Adam and Eve got a conversation, a conversation with God. They need to know that God is good and God's going to speak good things to them. They need to know what God really thinks, not what they think he thinks. They need to be assured that God isn't mad, even when they fail really big, and God's not going to send them to Africa just because they really don't want to go. (laughs) That's what my friend said. No, he'll send me to Africa. I'm sure of it. No, he loves the people in Africa. He's not going to send you. (laughs) He wants to send people to Africa who love Africa. (laughs) If you don't go, if you don't love them, he's not going to send you. But many Christians believe that God is asking them to make those kinds of sacrifices, to sacrifice their life, their dreams, their hopes, to do something that will make them approvable to God. So much of what the church teaches is if you sacrifice, God will be happy. And the truth is, there is one sacrifice that made God happy. And he's not unhappy anymore because there is only one lamb. There is only one sacrifice. There is only one blood that can take away our sin and make us right and fully acceptable. Who we are is fully acceptable. Now, if there is something in our life that's unacceptable, Holy Spirit is just so good. He'll say, look, that's bad for you. Don't do it. But he'll never look at you and say, you're bad. He'll say, you are the righteousness of God, and you've been called to live a better way, and I've given you the power to do above and beyond what you think you can do. He'll never tell you you're bad because you're not. He's made you right and righteous in his sight. I remember, as a believer, being afraid of God many, many years ago. I was afraid that he might ask me to be a martyr or go to Africa. (laughs) I didn't want to go either. Many years ago, uh, in the little church that I attended, there was uh, a missionary that came to give a presentation about missions, and they told this absolutely horrible story. They told us about this family in a faraway place that were trying to convert the natives of that land to Christ. And instead, they threw them in a pit with their children, mind you, and said, recant, or we're going to bury you all alive. And the missionaries did not recant. So they stood by 
and they watched this tribe of people bury their children alive, and then finally themselves. And the missionary said, I want you all to look in your heart. Can you do that for Jesus? Could you watch your children be buried alive? Could you stand there and let them bury you alive? And I thought, no, absolutely not. (laughs) God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't love you that much. I want to, but I don't. (laughs) And I repented for weeks because I knew I couldn't do that in my own strength. I would fight them to the death first. I wouldn't just stand there and let them bury my babies. I came under such condemnation. And that's exactly what that story was meant to do, to put me under condemnation, to say, see, you have to try harder, and you have to love better, and you have to be more obedient. Now get in line and do what you're supposed to do. And the truth is, there's no way I have the strength and power to do what that family did. I finally got around to having a conversation with the Lord. And I said, God, I can't live this way. It feels horrible to feel like a failure to the person you love most in the world. You see, with what she was preaching, I couldn't put on my comfy clothes. I couldn't come to God just as I am. I had to make myself something other than what I was, and I knew there was no way I could do it. So I I cried for weeks and finally, God, please, please let me off this hook. (laughs) He never put me on that hook. The missionary did. <laughs> but what the Lord did is he led me to a book by Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom is a Holocaust survivor. And she wrote a book, a very famous book called The Hiding Place. And it was her personal story of her time in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. And in this book, she tells this story. And this story changed my heart. The story goes like this. When Corey was a little girl, Somebody did basically the same thing to her that that missionary did to me. (laughs) And she too was afraid that she would renounce Jesus if she ever was put in the position of becoming a martyr. She, even as a little girl, knew she couldn't be strong enough in her own strength to die for her faith in Christ. So she did a very smart thing. She talked to her father, her earthly father. And her father very wisely asked her a question. And he said, when you and I take a train trip to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money for the ticket? She thought about it and she said, well, right before I get on the train. He said, that's right. And so it is with God's grace. Our Father in heaven knows when you need the grace to strengthen you to do his will. And he will supply all you need at just the right time. I love this little story. It really helped me back then to realize that God, by his grace, not by my effort, would strengthen me for whatever moment I faced in my life. No matter if it was dark or if it was light, whatever my failings were, it didn't matter. My Father has grace for me. There is grace, divine enablement for every day, for every trial, and for every person. God's grace operates within us, not just within our circumstances. I know sometimes I think we would prefer that God's grace, His absolutely free loving kindness, would prevent all the bad things from happening in our lives. And I know he prevents a whole lot. (laughs) But we live in a fallen world, and the truth is, sometimes there is no going around the hard things. There's only going through. He calls us to go through. Like with Corey Timboom, there wasn't a way for her to go around the Holocaust. But with God's grace working on the inside of her, with God's communication made clear, even in the midst of the deepest and darkest of places, 
through God's constant close proximity to her and his presence made manifest and tangible. She not only went through that darkness, but she came out on the other side of it with a testimony to the grace of God that there is no darkness that he cannot get you out of and there is no pit that he cannot pull you out of. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always in close proximity and he always says you should be wearing your comfy clothes. (laughs) It is through God's grace, his absolutely free loving kindness to us that he has given us his Holy Spirit whereby he can communicate to us and through us his presence, his truth, his heart, and his power. Everything God does is an expression of his absolutely free loving kindness, including his communication to us and through us. It's a gift. You can't earn hearing God. Trying harder only makes hearing God harder. (laughs) We have to put on our comfy clothes and relax in his presence, and we can hear. We don't earn the hearing of God's voice by being super spiritual, super religious, or super anything. His grace is absolutely free. It's what we call a gift. The ability to hear God came with our salvation package. We do hear Him, but we don't always recognize that we hear Him. That happens a lot. (laughs) And that's where our listening practice comes in. (laughs) Now, we've already talked in past messages about the how-tos of hearing God, so we know that we can purposely practice receiving God's communication to us by worship, Bible reading, listening to messages and sermons, and yes, having that ongoing daily conversation. He's a talking and a listening God. God doesn't want us to keep all of his communications to ourselves. Pastor Steve this morning was saying, I'm going to share with you what God gave me this morning. That's the point. <laughs> when other people share what God says, God is seen. God is revealed. That's the point. That's why listening to him is so important, because the God in us wants to be the God that works through us. And we've touched on all of those things. We talked about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the word of prophecy. Prophetic words include confirmation, clarification, encouragement, comfort, comfort, and even the telling forth of future events. What I want you to see this morning is that what we call spiritual gifts, God calls the effects or results of grace. His grace is communicated to us and through us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 13 says this. This is Jesus speaking. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's interesting about this is Jesus makes a funny comparison. A plural thing to a singular thing. He says, you being evil, don't let that throw you off. Um, (laughs) It means to live under toil and labor. So they were living in a place of toil and labor. They were under that pressure all the time. That's evil. We're supposed to live in grace in our comfy clothes. (laughs) He says, so if you are evil and know how to give good plural gifts, how much more the Holy Spirit will God give us? I think that's because all of God's good gifts are in the Holy Spirit. You see, he could have said, You can give a good gift, and your father can give a good gift. But instead, he chose to say, no, no, no. Good gifts, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Equal. (laughs) Good gifts, Holy Spirit. Same, same. (laughs) All born-again believers have the Holy Spirit. There are some that teach that you aren't really saved until you're spirit-filled. The church that I belong to, bazillion years ago, taught me, when you get saved, you get Jesus, and when you get sanctified, you get the Holy Spirit. So everybody was always looking for the Holy Spirit. 
because you're not really completely saved to get the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> you can't get Jesus without the Holy Spirit and the Father. They are a trinity. They are connected. When you say, Jesus, come into my heart, he brings everybody with him. <laughs> Gifts, Holy Spirit, everything comes in salvation. You get all of Jesus, all of the Holy Spirit, and all of the Father when you get born again. Now, we do believe in being filled with the Spirit. In our spirit man, we are wall-to-wall God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we have a soul. You see, and our soul is converted. We are saved, but our soul is changed. Our soul is transformed little by little. And so when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, He comes up and out, up and over. They call it baptism, okay? Because He wants to fill our mind, our will, and emotions, our soul, with the Spirit of God. He wants to fill our bodies with the Spirit of God. He wants the Holy Spirit to work through our physical bodies and we go around zapping people with the Holy Spirit, with the power and the love of God. That's the idea. What we are on the inside is supposed to work itself all the way out into our lives and into other people's lives. So we do believe in being filled with the Spirit. The church I went to did not believe in speaking in tongues, unless you were a missionary in Africa. <laughs> Those people needed the Holy Spirit to help them speak a language they didn't know. Everybody else who spoke in tongues was of the devil. This is not true. <laughs> this is not true. But you would be surprised how many people really do believe that speaking in tongues, you're having your prayer language, is of the devil. It is not. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. It is the Holy Spirit in us saying, I will help you pray according to God's wisdom. I will help you pray according to things that you don't even know about. I will help you pray that which just needs to be prayed to get a certain thing accomplished. So we do believe in being spirit-filled. The way my church tried to tell me about being spirit-filled was they would say, if you yield all of yourself to Jesus, Jesus will fill all of you. And that's a really good explanation. It's very simple. And I say that because some people are afraid, afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid of speaking in tongues. They're afraid of the gifts. They're afraid to operate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has what we call gifts. Now, that's not actually the word that God uses in 1 Corinthians 12.1. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The word gifts isn't there. The translators added it to help us understand what he was talking about. But he actually says, now, regarding what comes from the Spirit, what is of the Spirit, I would not have you ignorant. Now, ignorant is a good word, okay? Because ignorance says either one, you don't know, or two, you don't care. It implies both. And so many believers have this fear of speaking in tongues or operating in the gifts of healing and all of that kind. They're afraid of the Holy Spirit. They've had too many wrong teachings that God is mean. <laughs> and they don't know his character and nature, so they're afraid. And that's why he says this. One, I don't want you to not know how the Holy Spirit operates. And two, I don't want you to ignore how the Holy Spirit operates. When I was a young believer, the Holy Spirit was trying to lead me into receiving my prayer language, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I was afraid. I was taught it was of the devil. My church taught me that, but my God, was teaching me something different. I went to the Lord, and I did what lots of Christians do. Okay, God, go ahead, get me. Go ahead. No? Okay, that's okay. <laughs> okay, that's not. 
that's not how you get the Holy Spirit to operate. He doesn't just come get you. It's a cooperation. <laughs> I did not know that because my church did not teach me that. I was so afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do. He might make you stand on your head. He might make you do something embarrassing. There's all this fear in believers about what the Holy Spirit might make them do, which is crazy. He doesn't make you do anything. He helps us. We cooperate with what he wants to do. But the Lord had been talking to me and explaining to me. And I was, okay, Lord, let's do this thing. Let's get the Holy Spirit in fullness. And I said, if you give me a word, I will say it. I'm waiting, and I, I heard, ah, bah. And I said, I'm so sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm still too scared. I'm just too scared. What if I blaspheme? What if I say something bad? Oh, God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. God is so good. <laughs> he is so good. And he's like, don't worry about it. We'll try again later. A little while later, he says to me, turn on the radio. So I turned on the radio. Guess what I heard? A man explaining the word, Abba. My, my first word the Holy Spirit gave me to say was, Abba, Abba, Father, Daddy. And I was like, phew, I'm so glad that's over. <laughs> and he's like, now you have to practice. Practice what I've given you so that you grow in it. So you grow in hearing me. You grow confident in hearing me. You grow confident in operating with me. Practice. I didn't ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit. I ignored what I was taught. God will lead you in places you may be uncomfortable. He may ask you to step out in faith in a way you're not comfortable with yet. He knows to get comfortable with operating with the Holy Spirit, we do that by practice. What I love about this story is that God wasn't mad. He didn't kick me out and say, well, come back when you're brave. <laughs> it isn't about what we do, it's about what He does in us. In the same chapter, verse 4, we do find the word gift, and it is the Greek word charisma. Now, charisma is a two-part word, charis and ma. <laughs> charis means grace, unmerited favor. Years ago, I didn't understand grace. Grace was always what you got when you didn't get what God wanted you to actually have. You know, when you asked for God to heal you, and he said no. God never says no. But that's how people would pray. God, if it's not your will, give them grace. I'm like, oh, what is this horrible grace stuff that, that he gives people instead of what they want? <laughs> I didn't know my father. I didn't know his nature and character. I thought he was giving people something, you know, second place prize. You don't get what you ask for, you get this. This is good for eat your veggies, you know. It's not God. <laughs> I went to a lexicon and I said, what is this grace? And it said, the absolutely free, loving kindness of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. There's no strings attached for receiving it. It's an absolutely free demonstration of God's love. I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good thing. <laughs> there might be something to this grace thing. <laughs> so that's what charis means. The absolutely free, loving kindness of God. Now, ma. Ma means effect or working. So you put it together, you get the effects of grace. Grace at work. It's something that grace does or results in. It's a manifestation of grace. When we say the working of miracles, okay, the working of miracles is a grace effect, not a gift we possess. And that's my point. 
Most believers have been told, you have one or two gifts, figure out what they are. Thanks, God. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, he doesn't say figure it out. <laughs> he wears his comfy clothes with us, too. <laughs> He's comfortable with us, even in our ignorance. Most believers think that God gives special abilities to certain people. You get healing, you get miracles, you get tongues, you get interpretation, you get this and you get that, and that's what you operate in. That's not true. Holy Spirit, good gifts! All of the good gifts are in the Holy Spirit. Guess what we got? All the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need them. We need them, and we can't be afraid of them. Most Christians don't step out. I thought there was going to be a tongue and interpretation because I knew I was preaching this. But see, God has his way of bringing forth his word. But we have to not be afraid of it. If God says, I want you to speak out in tongues, that can feel scary if we don't understand who lives inside of us. And we have to cooperate. He'll never make you, never make you, never make you. I know Christians who, over the years, one believer said that God wanted him to interpret a tongue during the service. There was a tongue, and God said, I want you to interpret. And he said, no, I'm afraid. Afraid I'll get it wrong. And so he didn't do it. And there's this other believer. God said, I want you to operate in healing. Go pray for that person. And he said, I'm afraid. No. Both of those believers believe God took away a gift from them because they said no. God never took away anything from them. It is the operations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates through cooperation. <laughs> it's Him in us. It's not our gift to do as we please with. It's not our talent that we figure out what it is. It's us being willing, willing to step out in faith and believe the Holy Spirit. Believe His voice, believe His unction, believe His presence, believe that when He says, do this, God has the grace, the absolutely loving kindness, married with God's power, the Holy Spirit, to do miracles, to do healings, to do gifts of all kinds. That's what lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit basically empowers God's grace so that He can display the grace of God, the absolutely free loving kindness of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, it says this. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. I love this because you've got the Spirit, you've got the Lord Jesus, and you've got God the Father. You've got all three. You are not powerless. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You are not powerless. There is nothing you can't overcome. There is nothing you can't go through. There is nothing that can stop you. You have all of God. The Apostle Paul is talking about the demonstrations of God's grace by the Holy Spirit in church gatherings in particular. The gifts aren't given to us just for us. They're given to us for the good and edification of the body. God wants us to take care of each other. He wants us to prophesy to one another. He wants us to lay hands on each other. He wants us to declare healings and miracles over those that are in our assembly. He wants us to take care of us through His power. He has given us the absolutely free loving kindness through the Holy Spirit to get heaven to other people's earth. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11 says this, For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. This is where people come to the conclusion that we only get one or two or three. What he's talking about is in an assembly. In the church service, do we have 14 people standing up and prophesying and 14 people standing up with tongues interpretation? And four? No, it would be chaos. Yeah. Be chaos. No, that's what he's talking about. He says, no, we don't all do the same thing at the same time. <laughs> we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants us to conduct our services in order. But he still wants healings and signs and miracles and salvation and speaking in tongues. He wants it all because it's all demonstrations of his grace. It's all demonstrations of his power. It's us, God saying to the other parts of the body, I love you. I want you to have what you need. I provided what you need. I want you to take it. I want you to have it. Don't stand back and be afraid. Don't stand back and be afraid. He's good. He's yummy. He's wonderful. Believers in general come to church with an expectation of receiving. And we should. We absolutely should. But we should also come with an expectation of God giving us the grace, the divine enablement, to display His goodness and grace to each other through the manifestation of the gifts. We can volunteer. We can volunteer. God, I'm available. You want to say something? You see, people are so afraid of making mistakes. God doesn't care about your mistakes. He can turn your mistakes for good. He can turn what you say around to make it make sense. He can impart to somebody else something you don't even have a clue. He says, trust me. I'm good. I'm really, really good. Trust me. We can choose to trust our Heavenly Father's voice and His love and His acceptance of us and step out and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And when we do, guess what happens? Miracles, signs, and wonders. Isn't that the heart of every believer? To see the operations of His grace in us and through us and for others? Absolutely. But most believers are praying for God to send the signs, send the miracles, send the healings from heaven. They don't come from heaven. They're not going to fall on you from heaven. Not going to happen. He's already given them. They've already come from heaven. They've already been deposited in the Holy Spirit. All of the workings of God are in the Holy Spirit. We have all of heaven at our disposal because we have the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is within us, and the Holy Spirit is waiting on us to listen and to recognize His voice and to follow His leading. He wants to lead us in experiencing and operating in all of His grace. And we can do that a little bit at a time. Prophesy to your neighbor. I think God is saying this. Make yourself available. Practice. Prophesying on your spouse. Practice. Prophesying on your neighbor. Practice. Speaking in tongues and then asking God for the interpretation. Practice. He has the fullness of His grace and love and power in us. But He doesn't want us to keep it all for ourselves. It's for the good of the body. If you're afraid of the Holy Spirit, if you're afraid of operating by the Holy Spirit, if you're afraid like I was about speaking in tongues, Let's have a conversation together with God. Let God speak to you that He's a safe and good shepherd. And whatever gift, it says you can covet the good ones. You know what that means? Go after. 
lust out. Oh, I want I want to work in miracles. Okay, let's practice working in miracles. Practice on your neighbor, practice on your dog, practice. <laughs> practice. <laughs> so that the more you practice, the more confident you get. God has given me the grace. I've got everything I need. All I gotta do is believe that I've got everything I need. I can lay hands on you and you will recover. I can lay hands on you and you will receive a miracle. I can, I can, I can. Why? Because Jesus lives in me and Jesus paid for me to have it all. We're supposed to display Jesus. Grace, grace, and great grace. It is by his absolutely free love and kindness that he flows and flourishes and covers us in these displays of his grace. We don't have to be afraid to hear God. He's not going to send us to Africa if we don't want to go. <laughs> He's not going to send me to Haiti either. <laughs> well, I might visit. I might visit. <laughs> Because he has given us the Holy Spirit, he can communicate to us this grace by his presence, by his presence, by his voice, by his word. He's always talking. He's always in close proximity, communicating to us his peace, his presence, his joy. I'm going to close with this, 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. It says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you. It was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched. In every way. In every way. In every way. In every way we were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among us. So that you are not lacking in any gift. You are not lacking in any gift. Whatever God calls you to, he gifts you to do that. He graces you to do that. Whatever he calls you to practice, he graces you to do it. Grace is in you to let the grace come out of you. It goes on. As you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. I love that. Guiltless. I have my robe of righteousness, and I will never stand guilty before my Father ever again. I can wear my comfy robe of righteousness and be at peace in his presence. I don't have to worry about my mistakes. He is more than willing to help us with our mistakes. He's more than willing to help us with whatever we're afraid of. He wants to take away all the fear of him. Most of the lies we believe come from from things we believe erroneously about God or ourselves. And those things trip us up. They keep us from the fullness of what he wants in our life. But he says, look, you lack no good gift. And he will sustain us guiltless to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is faithful and by whom you were called into this fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God wants to encourage you to be brave. He wants to encourage you to have conversation. He wants to encourage you to see that you are wearing your comfy clothes. You are perfectly acceptable in his presence. We don't have to be afraid of Father God. We don't have to be afraid that he's mad or he's disappointed. He says, I have made you right, sweetheart. You can't be made wrong. I have made you. You are what I have made you. You are right in my sight. Perfectly acceptable. Receive my grace. Believe my grace. And let this grace flow through you by the promptings and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word that you have given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. You are our Father, and the Holy Spirit is our best friend. And Father, we have the fullness of God living on the inside of us. And all you ask us to do is believe it. 
believe that you're that good, that you give us everything for life and godliness, that you have put miracles, signs, and wonders on the inside of us. And as we communicate with you, have conversation with you, follow your leading and your prompting, those miracles, those graces will come out in our lives. Father God, I ask that you remind us to practice, to practice hearing, to practice following, to step out in faith and say, God, I want to operate in this gift. Show me how. Teach me how. You are so very faithful. You say we lack no gift, and we believe you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.